Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Ronnie will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 27. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. How many times you've been sailing through life, sailing along, Singing a happy song, enjoying life. Things are going well. And then all of a sudden, bam, Euroclidon. I mean, you're just going right through and all of a sudden something happens. But life is like that often in the Christian life. You know, storms happen. The Bible, listen to me closely, is full of examples of the various storms of life. And there are different kinds of storms. Perhaps you're taking notes. There's different kinds of storms. First of all, there are what is known as like, as you see in the scriptures, a corrective storm, a corrective storm. Well, you remember Jonah from Veggie Tales. I've learned a lot of deep theology from Veggie Tales. What about you? You can learn a lot about God from vegetables. And you remember Jonah, and you know the story, talking about a corrective storm. He got swallowed up by the whale because he was going in the wrong direction, and he didn't go where he was supposed to go. And a storm came. That was a corrective storm. And God, not only in that corrective storm, but God also had a corrective whale waiting for him. Because the story goes on to tell us that Jonah was swallowed up for three days and three nights in the whale. And the whale was seasick from Jonah being in his stomach, and he barfed Jonah up on the beach. I titled a sermon in the past, Barfed Up on the Beach. You ought to order that CD, it's gross. And, 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 the, and the whale barfed Jonah up on the beach because he couldn't keep a good man down. And... and <laughs> So there are, I'm sorry, there are corrective storms. And not only if you're taking notes, are there corrective storms, but there's also, listen, storms of perfection or perfection storms, storms that are sent in your life to mature you. Job is a classic example of a perfection storm. And you might remember the story is God said to Satan, Satan, where have you been? And Satan said, I've been going to and from throughout the earth. And God said, have you considered my servant 
Job, who is perfect and upright in all of his ways. And Job lost everything. And the whole point, listen, of this perfective, perfection storm in the life of Job, the point was to mature Job so that he could get to the place to see that God is worthy to be served in any circumstance. To see that God is worthy to be loved in any circumstance. To learn that God is worthy to be worshipped in any circumstance. The perfection storm was sent to Job in order to mature him. You understand so far, say amen. Amen. All kinds of storms, correction storms, perfection storms, but also there are instructive storms. You might remember the disciples. As Jesus said, get into the boat and go over to the other side in Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus, you know, they got in the boat and they head to the other side. And when they get just about middle of the Sea of Galilee, here comes the storm. And Jesus was in the storm with them. Jesus was with them. And, and, and Jesus calmed the storm. Don't you remember? He hushed the sea to sleep. And the disciples said, wow, that's cool. Even the wind and the waves And the sea obey him. Instructive storms. And then there are judgment storms. I think of Noah and the flood. Judgment storms. And then there are directive storms. Well, that's what we see here in Acts chapter 27. Directive storms. This storm was intended, as we'll read on and you'll see, this storm was intended to bring them to the island of Malta where God was going to use Paul to heal a man who was sick with dysentery. Directive storms. There's all kinds of storms. And then there's the, I don't know what that was, storm. There are a lot of storms in life, things that we go through that leave us with a big question mark. What in the world was that about those are the i don't know what that was storm lots of things happen in our lives that we are not real sure of what god was trying to teach us what was the purpose of that storm you know it was chuck smith who said when god puts you to a test try to pass it because you might have to take it again isn't that true And there's a lot of stuff we go through and we just don't know what the point of that was. I think the thing that we can know, listen to me, when we are in a Eurocliton in our lives, we can know the most important thing is not necessarily that you understand why you're in the storm. The most important thing for you to know is that if you are in the storm, it is better for you to be in the storm because Jesus is in the eye of that storm with you. It's it's better for you. Listen to me close. It is safer to it is safer in the storm with Jesus than it is on land without him. You understand that? It is safer. I don't care what you're going through. Ronnie, you just don't understand. No, I don't. But this one thing I do understand. It is safer to be in the storm than to be on in the storm with Jesus than be on land without him. Because if you're on land without him, you're outside of God's will. 
If you're in the storm with him, you're inside of God's will. And when you are in God's will, it does not matter what's going on around you. God's going to protect you. Somebody say amen. God is going to protect you. God's hand is upon you. Nothing can harm you. Nothing can hurt you because you are in the will of God. In that storm, God has allowed it. I know that flies in the face of popular teaching that says that if you're a believer, you should never have any problems. Everything should be rosy. There should never be any situations in your life. Listen, that's not what the Bible says. God uses those storms for a purpose in your life. And all the while, oh, God, I want to be strong in you. Lord, I want to be holy. God, I want to be more like you. Hallelujah. I want to be more like you. Really? God says, okay, here's a Eurocliton. Well, now, wait a minute. I wouldn't think about that now. Hold on, partner. See, you're not God. But say amen. God is God. He knows. So there's all kinds of storms. So here we have now the boat in our text is beginning to fall apart, as we've just read. The sailors are wrapping the boat with cables and ropes to gird it up. That's called flapping, hoping to keep the ship together. And they took the sail down because they were afraid to end up on a sandbar. So they took down the sail and they let the boat kind of bounce around freely. The next day, according to our text, they lightened the ship and they're bouncing around for many days. Note this, without the sun or the stars, the storm is brutal. And these salty sailors were full of fear and they felt that all hope was lost. Verse 20 in your Bible. So get the scene now. You're in the ship in the midst of the storm. You take away the light. It's pitch black. No stars in the sky. You're in the water. It's up and down, up and down. All you see is the blackness. All you see is the darkness. You're cold. You're wet. You're tired. You're scared. You're hungry. And now you are without hope. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, Paul says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned and three times, note this, I was what? Shipwrecked a night and a day have I been in the deep. It's in one of those shipwrecks that Paul floated, listen to me, that Paul floated for a day and a half in the ocean. A day and a half in the ocean at night floating. There's nothing more scarier to me than floating in the ocean at night, there ain't nothing more scary to me than floating in the ocean during the day. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> you know, I was <laughs> I'm at the beach a couple of months ago, and I'm you know down there with some with the family and stuff, and and uh, you know I, I I you know I'm 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 out there in the water and stuff, and you know I'm I'm pretty pretty deep in the water. I'm about ankle deep, and I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of deep in the water, and those guys are out there. Come on out! Come on out! Come on out! And I'm like, no, 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 because I ain't going out there. So I'm walking out in the water, and, and I'm telling you, I saw a fin. When I see fins, even one fin, I'm like, it's time for me to get out. 
I, I, no, it's nothing more scary to me. I have, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to confess. I have a phobia and uh, several. And I have uh, a, a phobia of, of, of being eaten by sharks. I, I think about this night and day. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in apex and I'm thinking, man, tomorrow I might get eaten by a shark. Who knows? I wake up in cold sweats. I can't. I, uh, I've got a phobia. I do. Now, listen, I, you know, there's a book, and, and I've told you about this before. It's called The Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And um, I read this book for leisure. And, um, <laughs> and so, and in this book, I kid you not, it has like, there is a, a diagnosed phobia for um, being afraid of sharks. It's called scalactophobia. Have you ever heard of it? Scalactophobia. And, and, and it's like the, one of my greatest fears. So, I, you know, I'm reading this book and, 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 and you know, it's, it's a good read. I mean, it's really nice. And, uh, but, but here, here, some audience participation here. Okay, here, here. Because you know some of these. Listen to this. What is arachnophobia? That's a fear of what? Spiders. You got it. Testophobia is the fear of taking tests. Decidophobia is a fear of making decisions. Ambulophobia is a fear of walking. One guy was sitting right up front. He yelled it out. Ambulophobia. He yelled it out. The fear of ambulances. <laughs> you know how you do in school? You go, that's a good answer. <laughs> but it's not right, Johnny. <laughs> Ambulophobia, <laughs> ambulophobia is actually, listen, the fear of walking. We have the word to ambulate, to walk. Um, here's one, and I hope that no one in, in this room at least has this one, a blutophobia, which means a fear of taking baths. I hope nobody here has that today. Um, and, and no one usually, listen, ha, no one usually has this one, chromatophobia. That's a fear of money, chromatophobia. Now, if you have that phobia, I don't. <laughs> don't hook a brother up. I don't have a fear of money. Um, here's one that I, I think uh, my kids have. It's, it's uh, ergophobia, and that's a fear of work. <laughs> Say amen, parents. I'm afraid of a job. Ecclesiophobia is a fear of what? Church. Now, truly, listen, I do have this one. I really do. It's called jephydrophobia, uh, and it is a fear of bridges. I, I, honestly, I have a fear of bridges. And fellow bridge fearful people, anybody? Okay, good. I mean, you're right there, sister. I don't like bridges. I get to a bridge, I'm telling you, I'll hold up traffic. I, I will hold up traffic. I got my family in the car, and my, my son is sitting right there. He will tell you, if I get to a bridge, and he, he's in the car, and I'm driving, or even if I'm riding, even, I, you know, I, I, I just say, hold daddy's hand. <laughs> well, you got Like, I can't, oh, I hate bridges. Oh, bridges. No, uh-uh. 
And, and, and listen, here's one that I, I wish we all had. And this one is homartophobia. And that is a fear of sinning. Harmatia, the Greek word for sin. Homartophobia. And, and here's one for you. Listen, let me see if I can get this one right. Hippotomonstrous quipadeliophobia, which is a fear of long words. I told you it's a book of mental disorders. Uh, Here's one for you. Paprophobia is a fear of the Pope. And uh, yeah, and and papriophobia is a fear of the Pope's right-hand man. No, just kidding. That's actually a fear of paprius. We have the word paper, the fear of paper. And here's what I hope you don't have. Uranophobia is a fear of heaven. I hope you don't have that one. And I think most of you have this one, homilophobia. That's a fear of sermons. Don't say amen. (laughs) Fear of sermons. And I think the person that put this together, put this list together, has this, phobophobia. It's a fear of what? Phobias. You got it. So, uh, in the water, deep. Okay. Don't know where that came from. Anyway. So we have noticed these sailors in our text bouncing around. The boat is almost torn up. Are you listening? Hope is gone. They haven't eaten, not because they're fasting, but because they need Dramamine. Their stomachs are sick. Paul stands up. He can't resist. He says, I told you so. You should have listened to me. And you want to notice also, he doesn't say, I told you so, like I told you so, you know, bad people, I told you so. He he says, I told you so. And then he offers them, watch this, words of hope. Words of hope in verse 22, as he says, there will not be a loss of life among you. And then in verse 24, he offers them a word of promise as he says, God has granted all those with Paul a safe trip. And then you have a word of encouragement in verse 25. Take heart. I believe. Did you notice this, saints? Look at it again, please. I believe God. Notice he didn't say, take heart, I believe in God. He says, I believe God. Don't you know? There is a difference in believing in God and believing God. What's the difference? Demons believe in God. Believers believe God. If you understand, say amen. Amen. We believe God. We believe. Paul says, I can't believe the sailors. The ship, the sails, the wind, the centurion, or human ingenuity. But Paul says, God and God alone, I believe. I believe. You know, even atheists believe. That's true. You let them find themselves in a Eurocliden. Isn't it very true? Oh, God, if you, then I. Somebody once said, there's no atheist in a foxhole. That's true. Y'all got to pray for me. I got to finish these 44 verses. Look at verse 27. You're still looking at it. Say amen. Amen. Now the 14th night, listen, had come as we're driven, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land and they took soundings and they found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. And then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for the day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had left the let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, 
Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, underline this, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and they let it fall off. And as the day was about to dawn in verse 33, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day. You have waited and continued with food and eat nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment for this is for your survival. Since a hair will fall, will not fall from your head, from the head of any of you. And that's assuming they had any left after this Eurocliden. And when they had said these things in verse 35, he took bread. He gave thanks to God in the presence of everybody publicly. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. And then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons on ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. Listen, I have time to tell you one thing from this text. One thing. I'll draw your attention to verse 33. Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Listen, don't jump ship. Don't even think about the D word, divorce. Don't jump ship. Stay in the ship. A sister came up to me after service and she said, Pastor, what do I do? I said, stay in the ship. Don't jump ship. Whatever you're going through, don't get out of the ship because you want to notice something here. These men were blessed because they were in the ship with Paul, who got a word from the Lord, who was God's child. They were blessed because of Paul. There are folks in your family that are blessed because of you. Now, don't get the big head. Say amen if you won't get the big head. All right. Don't worry, let me tell you something. You go home, let me tell you something. You blessed because of me. And don't you forget it, because if I walk out, you got it coming. You know, that's how folk is, you know what I mean? Let me tell you, Pastor Buddy said, we're blessed because of me. I'm your blessing, and don't you forget it. Before you know it, you done made a whole doctrine, now you're weird. I mean, that's just, <laughs> you're just weird now. You understand. And they were blessed because Paul. So Paul says, listen, unless they stay in the ship, they cannot be saved. That's all I got time to tell you about that. Now look at verse 39. When it was day, they did not recognize land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and they left them in the sea. Meanwhile, loosing the rudder ropes and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, see, I think he probably was saved by now, Julius, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest, some on boards, some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Listen, I'm going to wrap it up right here. 
this Julius guy, obviously, are you listening? Grew in his respect for Paul. And he realized that Paul was a special man, so he wanted to save Paul. And they all escaped to land safely. You want to know this, that they are 500 miles from where they started in the storm. Over two weeks of being driven in a hurricane, we can see that this is God's hand taking Paul to Rome because the ship was lost, but everyone was saved exactly what God said. The ship was lost, but everyone was saved just as God said. Someone once put Acts chapter 27 to the tune of Gilligan's Island. I used to love Gilligan Island. Can I get a witness? I used to love Gilligan's Island. So somebody put a tune to the, of Acts 27 to the tune, the whole chapter to the tune of Gilligan's Island. But since I'm out of time, I can't sing it. Not unless y'all really want me to. Okay, only three people want to hear it. Okay, fine. Okay, since you insist, I'll do it. All right, okay, good. All right, listen, here, here's Acts 27 put to the tune of Gilligan's Island. And it's kind of hard because you got to make the words fit, but I'm going to do my best, all right? Listen, just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started in Creek's Tropic Port aboard an Alexander ship. The mate was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and sure. 276 set sail that day for a three-week tour, a three-week tour. Then you got to do the waves crashing. <laughs> Your Clyden started getting rough. The Alexander ship was tossed. If not for the courage of a fearless Jew, the Alexander would be lost. The Alexander would be lost. The ship ran ground on the shore of this charted Malta Isle with a centurion, the helmsman too, the owner full of strife. Under midnight stars, the oppressor and the dripping man here on Centurion's Isle. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.